Our score after two periods here at the Gutterson Fieldhouse in Burlington, Vermont, is Merrimack nothing, Vermont nothing. Mike Macknick with John Leahy, and joining us here in the second intermission is Mike McMahon from the Mac Report and the Eagle Tribune, also the MacReport.com and College Hockey News. And, uh, Mike, pretty frenetic pace, I think, to this game for the most part. I mean, last night after the game, both coaches talked about it having a playoff hockey kind of feel, even though it's late in the regular season here. I actually think that tonight's game uh, even has has far more of that playoff hockey type of feel. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, I think it pulled into the ice, too. Not only are they doing a, uh, both teams doing a pretty good job getting to the front of the net, both teams doing a real good job blocking shots. I mean, it, it's had that tightly contested playoff atmosphere uh, on the ice, you know, too. Because once you get a playoff hockey, you know, the, a lot of the finesse goes away, a lot of the up and down the sheet goes away, and it becomes a nitty-gritty type of game, and, and that's what we've seen today. Uh, shots 32-12 to 12 through two periods. Uh, I think it actually is a, a bit closer than that. What did you think about that? Uh, yeah, in fact, I actually tweeted that right before I came over here. It doesn't seem like it's that big of a discrepancy. I haven't tracked it myself, um, but it's a lot closer than what those numbers would indicate. In my opinion, I think it's probably in the neighborhood of, you know, if it was 28-20 to 20 or something like that, it wouldn't surprise me. That's an awfully big discrepancy in terms of shots. And, uh, I think at one point in one of those power plays, Vermont was credited with 11 shots in a two-minute power play. Uh, I think that's where a lot of it got out of whack because I, I didn't see that many. Probably five or six. It's definitely a handful. Uh, but still, five or six is half of what you know went on the board there at that point. So uh, I think shots are probably a little closer. Vermont's out shooting them, but I think the shots are probably a little closer than what we're, what we're seeing here. Some uh, significant line changes tonight. Craig Wismierski moves up to play with Brian Christie and Ben Baugh. Christie moves to the center. Ampus Gustafson is now uh, between Justin Mansfield, who moves back up to forward. I mean, this guy is moving back and forth on a, almost on a game-by-game basis as needed. Justin Mansfield and Chris LeBlanc on the right side. And then Kyle Singleton playing with Clayton Jardine and Teddy McCarron. And that line's look, looked pretty good at times. Yeah, you know, I think they, all of the forward lines have looked pretty good, to be quite honest with you. I, I think Wisniewski, uh, we've talked a little bit about it, I think, uh, last week or the week before. He's looked really good as a forward. Um, you know, maybe not in the role where he's going to score a lot of goals, but uh, just what he does up front, he's a big body, he's able to get on pucks in deep and get, get worked out of the corners. And for a guy who's 6'4", 220, uh, he can move, you know, he can skate. So uh, he gets down on those pucks quickly, uh, and I like what he's done. Really, I, I think the forwards in general have done a much better job getting pucks not only to the net, but getting bodies to the net too, especially there in the first period. There was a couple of stretches in the last 10 minutes where uh, the puck was batting around in front, and, you know, Vermont's able to get a clear out of a couple of those scrums, but that's where goals are scored now, but that's what we saw, uh, you know, just last night. That's where goals are coming from, twice in front of the net. Uh, and they've had a couple of those where, where the last couple of weeks, I don't think they have. I thought Chris Bierski was going to take that puck away from Santa Guida and skate it to the front and stuff it in. Yeah, he almost did. Yeah, that's what it looked like. Uh, he's, uh, I think he he's might a- have done it if he hadn't thrown it out front. I mean, I know he's trying to find an open man, but he might have, might have had room there to get it in himself. Yeah, I, I just, I, I think he's done a real good job, uh, no matter who he's been with. He's been with a lot of the same guys for the most part, but they've bounced him around. I mean, he's been on different lines, and really, no matter who he's out there with, he's one of the first guys down there, especially if there's a dump. Uh, you, you look up, he's the, one of the first guys down there in the corner trying to take out a pocket. He, he's a really physical player, and he brings a dimension that they, they didn't have before with the first half of the year. All right, uh, 
recruiting some news this week. Tell us what's going on. Uh, another, yeah, well, Lane McKay, I think, was the, the end of last week, or last Saturday, I believe it was. Uh, another recruit out of Ontario. So they've been busy in Ontario lately, um, recruiting for 2016-17, for so for two years out. Uh, and then they also picked up a, a local recruit this week uh, for, out of Tuxbury. He's playing for the Middlesex Black Bears, which is a prep school, uh, a, a, a team that plays a lot of prep school teams. Uh, they also play in a lot of showcase tournaments, but uh, that team, doing some research on it, actually takes classes at Merrimack. Uh, there are a lot of uh, overage kids, so 19, 20-year-olds. Uh, they, they take classes at Merrimack. They, they practice and play out of Governor's Academy. So uh, they're playing a lot of different types of a lot of different types of teams. He's coming in next year. So uh, a lot of um, a lot of work in Ontario, and now a, a, a guy here local uh, whose brother, actually, I was reading today, just set the uh, scoring record at Tuxbury High School today. So I wonder if we see his brother here at some point to a younger brother as well. And playoff picture. Let's talk about that quickly before we have to break. Uh, how do you see things shaking out here right now? Coming to tonight's game, Merrimack in 11th place, still with an outside shot of hosting. They'd have to win tonight, though, as part of that. Get a little bit of help too uh, from New Hampshire uh, in particular. But if, they, if that were to happen and then they were to sweep New Hampshire on the road next week, uh, you know they could find themselves in the mix there for all night. Yeah, I think that'd be tough. But they're certainly still alive at this point. They enter in the third period here, tied uh, with a chance to get a win on the road. They, they played well on the road uh, at certain times this year. So it's hard to believe they're 0 8 in the league on the road. I know. Yeah, because you look at some of those other big road games that they've had, beating Minnesota, uh, beating Quinnipiac. Uh, but you know, it's almost funny. Look at the standings and, and before coming in tonight. They almost seem sort of locked into 11th. At least they obviously play UNH next week. You have the ability to gain some ground on them. But they're three points behind UNH. They're three points ahead of UMass. Uh, so it sort of seems like they're locked into that 11th spot right now. I'm not sure. We, we see them get out of it. It depends on a lot of what other teams do as well. Uh, and then I was just saying that uh, Alistair Vermont's played left play man at SID here before the game. He might be right back up here in two weeks. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, assuming that right now I'd say you know, the best odds are probably that they do end up where they currently are. And if that's the case, then in the first round, so the top four get a bye, 12's going to play at 5, 11's going to play at 6. So then you're looking at whoever ends up 6th. I mean, there's a battle right now for that position in the standings. Uh, so you think it'll be Vermont, right? I mean, it could. It could be several teams. It might not. I mean, it could be Vermont. Yeah, it could be Vermont. could be Notre Dame. could be Northeastern. It could be a, a number of different schools. I, th I think it actually could still be the UNH, uh, which would be going up there for two weekends in a row. So, uh, it's, you, you, at this point, you, you're watching the standings and you're watching the scoreboard, I think, more this time of year than any. Uh, I think, from their perspective, from Merrimack perspective, if there's one team you want to avoid, not that, that they're lighting the world on fire, but just the travel, I think you want to avoid Notre Dame. I'm not sure that's a trip that anybody really wants to make. Um, you know, even if Notre Dame was struggling at the end of the year, I'm not sure you really want to have to pack everything up and go halfway across the country. So uh, that seems to be, to, to me, I think that's the one team that everybody in the league is looking to avoid just because they don't want to make the trip. I'll tell you, I mean, I, in my opinion, the one team you want to avoid is Providence. I don't think they want to see John Gillies in the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> best goaltender in the league, if not in the country, I don't think they want to play him. Yeah, and even Northeastern right now is playing so well uh, over the last couple of weeks. I saw somebody, I forget who it was, somebody last night on Twitter made the comment that they somehow – 
uh, in January went from a team that didn't look like they were going to win another game to a team that looks like the Soviets pre-1980. They're running through everybody. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a number of different teams that I think they could see. I, I think just you know, from a Merrimack perspective, I'm sure they'd like to stay a little closer to home. Even I mean, up here is close enough to home. I mean, it's only a three-hour bus ride. All right, third period coming up here. I just got this feeling that at some point this team's going to be, you know, we're tired of losing. Six losses in a row here. A lot of them very close, one-goal games. Last night, a one-goal game. They're in a tie game here in the third period. I just have a feeling that that's going to happen one night. It could be tonight. Uh, yeah, and I got that sense last night, too. They certainly had downstairs after the game. I mean, there was uh, a sense that they, they, they worked hard enough, I think, uh, but just didn't, weren't able to execute. Uh, just didn't have that execution. They didn't, I, don't, I don't know if it's more focused or whatever you want to call it, uh, but, but they seem like they've done that tonight. I think they've played a pretty good road game, despite what the shots say. Uh, and to this point, they, they've had plenty of scoring chances. Tierney's played real well the other end. They're not giving up odd man rushes, coming back the other way. I think they've played a pretty good road game at this point. All right, thanks a lot, Mike. It should be good. Thanks for joining us. People, check out his work, themacreport.com, the Eagle Tribune as well, and College Hockey News. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Mike McMahon has been our guest here. Our score at the end of two is nothing to nothing. John and I are back to recap the second admission right after this. This is Warrior Hockey.